0: Welcome to In Reality, Lessons from Leaders and Entrepreneurs. I'm your host, John Rebecca and you're about to hear from two dynamic women who in the past five years have built a direct sales beauty business from a modest start to $100 million in sales worldwide. The two were working in their family's professional makeup business when the idea for a new cosmetics line for consumers came to life. Michelle Gay and Madison Millardi, Anthony Nice, were tasked with exploring the idea and founded Limelife by Alcombe. In 2018, the company caught the attention of Reinhold Geiger, CEO of Loxiton, which now owns a 60% interest and is taking the brand across the globe. And although we'll talk about incubating a hatchling company within the family business, it is more about the importance of honesty, transparency, and perseverance that makes them incredibly successful entrepreneurs. Michelle, Madison, welcome to you both. Let's start out by telling us a little bit about Alcone and how the Lime Life Division started.
1: Take it away. Sure. So, my father, which is Madison's grandfather, bought Alcone back when I was eight years old. And my older brother and sister graduated from college shortly thereafter and started building Alcone. And they made it a community for professional makeup artists to get the best beauty products from around the world. And it was geared mostly for professional makeup artists as customers. And so, it was a very niche little place. A lot of the beauty editors called it sort of the little black book place, the secret hideaway for prose. You know, it became sort of this, you know, mysterious place in Manhattan and that helped build its uh, popularity. So it
0: had a mystique to it.
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: Absolutely. The company makes them or distributes the makeup or how does that work?
1: Primarily distributes. There are some dedicated lines that are Alcone branded, but we really do like to go out and find the best problem solving cosmetics from around the world Mm -hmm. you know what blends best what uh stays the longest you know what's got the best color range and so uh, a lot of times it's either we're finding it and bringing it to the pro community or the pro community is requesting it
0: so the company how long has it been around
1: so outcome was founded in 1952 by Alvin Cohen. And then my family bought it in 1980.
0: What was it that your father saw in the company that made it interesting for him that want to acquire the company?
1: So we originally had a theatrical hardware company, which we still have. And that was really how my father started in business. And He started there. This is a cute story. He started there by just being a runner from Coney Island to this hardware company. So he would go to Coney Island and ask them, what kind of hardware do you need? And then he would go back to this place and he would get all the hardware. And that's how he, like that was his entrepreneurial teen project. That's how he paid for college, went to Hofstra right here in Long Island. Ah. And the guy just loved him. He saw his entrepreneurial spirit and he said, you know, I'm trying to find someone to take over my business. Would you want it? And my dad was like, oh my gosh, yes, like this is big breakthrough. Yeah, they were in like a networking group together and they had the same customers because my dad was selling to the Broadway shows Mm -hmm. hardware and Mr. Cohen was selling to the same customer because he was selling theatrical makeup, eyelashes, pancake makeup, lots of stuff that the showgirls needed as well as the actors and actresses. So, you know, he said to my father, you're going to that, those same places. Why don't you take this business on? I really want to retire. Just take this business on. I mean, it was one of those times where my parents had five kids. So it was crazy. It was a hectic time in my household. So to take on a whole nother business was not the most popular idea, I'm sure, with my mother. But that's how my parents were. They raised us that, you know, when opportunity knocks, you just take it and you talk about it as a family and you make it
0: work. Okay, so let's roll forward to the genesis of Limelife. During an earlier discussion, I I believe you talked about makeup artists starting to look for discounts or commissions for referrals, and other people wanted to buy direct, which led you to consider a new business model.
1: They weren't even looking for commissions. They were doing it out of the love of helping another emerging pro makeup artist or a client. And they were just doing it because it was the right thing to do. And we thought, you know what, we can't be takers in this situation. We've got to be able to give back in that way. How can we... Create a system that captures those sales, captures those relationships and pays it back to the person who referred us.
2: And also at the same time, as the industry grows, you know, it gets competitive and all these other brands that are similar to Alcone are offering these discounts. So it became very competitive in the sense that people wanted that discount, but they also wanted that credit for referring
0: someone somewhere. Was there a time that the family got together and formalized a plan or process That led to you and Madison being assigned the task of creating a new business?
1: That would have been a great way to do it. (laughs) (laughs) I would have less gray hair right now. (laughs) No, what happened was it started with a question of community. How do we build a deeper, better, more loving community within the pro makeup industry? What are the things that we would do? Putting profits aside, putting sales aside. What are the things that we could do to help their businesses? And so two ideas came out of that. One was Alcone Pro, which is a sort of a referral site. Mm-hmm. It's a place where artists can post their work and other people can go and look for a makeup artist for a job or, you know, an event. So that was the first idea. Mm-hmm. And then the second idea was trying to figure out this affiliate link idea. You know, can we give them an affiliate link so that they either get a discount or they get commissioned back on uh, referring a customer? What we realized was it wasn't a significant amount of money. And if we really wanted to help them add a revenue stream, we had to come up with something more meaningful. So then we thought about training. Well, what if the pro makeup artists are training people, training them on how to be better in their business, how to maximize uh, their revenue streams, how to expand their customer base, starting to see where we're going with this. Like, yep. Then the next thing we knew, we had really developed a direct sales model, which fulfilled everything we we were sort of ticking off. Yeah, and we always say, you know, we're not a direct sales company that decided to go into beauty. We're a beauty business that basically realized that direct sales was an amazing model for our industry.
0: So it was a great opportunity, shows up. And this, what year was that, by the way, where Lime Light initially, right, was called?
2: The first name was Elgon
0: at Home, yeah.
2: So we and like, like, that was 2000, the trailer, the makeup 12? trailer,
0: Alcone at home,
2: Is that 2012 or
1: 2013, 2013. We, 2013. we started exploring this idea.
0: Mm-hmm. That exploration, um, did you put a group together? I mean, was this now assigned to you two from the family or did, was it something that you were passionate about? Madison? I was in college ah, at the okay. time.
2: I was in my, I think my junior year of college when this was happening. So I was working at Alcone. Mm-hmm. And I was answering the phones and doing customer service and placing orders for productions. And at the time, I think at the time, it was it was really just you and Tim, right? Yeah, we
1: were working on it, but Madison was a very important consultant on this project from the get-go.
2: With the Alquin at Home orders, I was tying little pink bows on them and making it all pretty. And we didn't have logos on anything, so it was like you kind of had to do what you could to jazz everything up. But in the very beginning days, I think it was more, this was when we also only had about 20 beauty guides, I think, Mm -hmm. and maybe only two of them were selling anything. So we would really only get an order like once a week, maybe twice. And if we got a kit, they ordered a starter kit. Wow. It was a big, big deal. deal. Like <laughs> <a> big deal. <laughs> that person was like the greatest person on the planet at that point. And moment. we knew their name. We knew yes. what state they were from. We knew from. where I was going. Yeah. So we would ring a little bell every single time a starter kit order came through. Um, Cause it was a big celebration. Mm-hmm.
1: So I remember thinking, yes, we are so grateful that this person ordered this. We're, let's tie it with a bow. And that bow concept is still part of our brand. Oh um, yeah. Yeah. And the other thing is that Madison, at some point when she was about to graduate from college, she knew she wanted to work at Alcone. And so I asked her the question, um, Madison, do you want to work at Alcone or do you want to work at Alcone at home? And without hesitation, she said, Alcone at home. And I thought that was amazing. I mean, I tried so hard to talk (laughs) me
2: out of it. (laughs) Well, like, because it was like, at the time, we weren't sure if it was going to work. And I, I remember at the time, I wanted to be a beauty editor at Cosmo, because that's where my internship was. And I was so sure I wanted to be a beauty editor, because I liked writing, and I the beauty industry is really all I know from growing up in it. And I was like, no, this is, yeah, this is going to be huge. Like, yeah. there was no doubt in my mind that it was going to be huge.
0: Yeah, but I love the story of how you were sweating the details, I mean, you actually put a bow on sending something out, right? Yeah. And you were so grateful that you got an order for something, so it was like that—that was the sense you got the bug right there.
2: Yeah, I just like the whole time, failure wasn't an option. mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, we're not growing that quickly, but eventually, yeah, I think I needed that
1: youthful innocence of of course we can do this right. <laughs> yeah. um, because it was not the most receptive industry. I mean, the, the pro makeup industry is as, as hostile towards direct sales as you could get. Hmm. So it was for me a daily grind to try to help people see what I thought had a lot of potential. Mm-hmm. So for Madison, who had worked at Cosmo, could have easily gotten a job there after college had her choice of running Alcone, which was a great business, to say Alcone at home, no, this is going to be huge. That that was a big mental shift for me.
0: And maybe that was a fresh perspective, right? Absolutely. I mean, sometimes you know, when we talk to entrepreneurs, we find that they're almost grateful that they didn't read the playbook or would have scared them off.
2: I can't speak from experience, but entrepreneurs probably sit there and think, well, I can't do this because we never had time to think. No. Yeah. about anything.
0: But that's what a lot of the entrepreneurs tell us. They're inherent problem solvers. It's an obstacle and they want to be deterred from and they end up having resilience. It carries them through when they're problem solving in terms of whether it's growth, whether it's manufacturing, whatever that is, you figure out a way of getting it done.
1: And we just had a keynote speaker at one of our conferences talking about having someone with you when you have an obstacle. It's significantly easier to overcome if there's someone by your side who's, you know, going to tackle that mountain with you. Right. And I think looking back on it, thank goodness I had Madison, because if I didn't have her, I'm not sure I would have the fortitude to do the journey by myself at all.
0: Right. Well, yeah. you, you're very fortunate. You had this wonderful partnership going Yeah. and a lot of entrepreneurs, they work on their own. So they're, they're always seeking that mentor, which we'll talk about a little bit later because I do want to get into, okay, so it's Alcon at home. And then where does it morph then into the next generation, into this next iteration within the organization to LimeLight?
1: So we realized that this idea was working and it was growing and we could see the compounding effect of the idea. And we had to level up. We were bringing skincare into the company Mm -hmm. because we knew that the makeup was only going to perform if people had healthy skin. So at the time, we were really looking for vendors who offered organic natural ingredients in their skincare. And we were very fortunate to
2: find that vendor and work with them. And then we realized we needed to create packaging for them. And our design skills could only take us so far. It was one of your friends. Ken's one of your friends, right? Yeah. Her friend had an agency that was basically a branding agency. Mm -hmm. And we went there for a meeting and we were going to look at some designs for packaging options. And at the same time, we were also coming up with a new name for the line. Because Alcon at home, it wasn't really getting our vision across. You start the process by creating this <laughs> list of like a hundred terms. Yeah. And you're just like throwing words out there. Yeah.
0: But what it comes back to is a vision that you had because you, you said something very interesting earlier about wanting to make sure that people had healthy skin, mm-hmm. right? So you were looking at for organic products uh, and now you wanted to put a name to that, but mm-hmm. you didn't want to lose the mystique and certainly the history of the Alcone name, the support behind that, but you wanted to have it as, as a separate brand. And so you went through a process with a branding agency and you came up with a lot of different names because you throw a lot of stuff at the wall when you do these things, mm-hmm. right? And sort to figure out what works. Yeah. So what struck you about limelight? Obviously because of the theatrical side.
1: We didn't think we'd get it. And then we looked and it wasn't trademarked in the United States. And we were like, that's insane that no one has this. And so we grabbed it right away and it just felt right. It was, you know, you're in the limelight now. Um, mm-hmm. Your customer's in the limelight, you're in the limelight. And it was all about shining a light on these women who were going to take their lives and go to the next level. So it worked really, really well.
0: Chatting about it earlier was I saw your company as an incubator for new entrepreneurs. Something that you offer people an opportunity then to go into their own business and you make it try to make it as easy for them as possible.
1: And we offer a community where you know, growing your own business is not easy and you need to be arm in arm with people, as we mentioned before. And this community actually allows them to be more successful, to keep going, keep that grit. Not everyone's born with grit. It's not instilled in everybody, but this community keeps people focused and on track.
2: And that's why I think there's so many forums right now for support groups for entrepreneurs, because you don't realize you need that support and you need that community but i think through limelight you really it's basically a business toolkit and what you build with your toolkit is up to you it's
0: 2013 you have a handful of beauty guides and you now have the new name limelight and you suddenly start to see the company grow and you went from a handful to how many do you have today
1: we have about 30,000 worldwide and we changed the name in 2015 and we feel like that's sort of our starting point huh. before that when we were alcon at home we were really just testing the waters like Consider it beta. Uh-huh. Um, so in 2015 to today, we grew basically from almost nothing to 30,000 beauty guides worldwide.
2: That bell that I told you that we used to ding every time we got a starter kit, we had a. The bell broke <laughs> and we had to stop dinging <laughs> the bell.
0: <laughs> uh, how did you deal with that growth? Well,
2: November 2015, I think, was the worst month of our lives because. That's when the hyper growth really, really happened. We had a beauty guide in Arkansas
1: that essentially the company grew 40% month over month for two straight months, which we were not prepared for with inventory and programmatic support. And there was a lot of dips, like mental dips, emotional dips. But I think the way you get through it is we were honest we were very blessed because we had Facebook Live so we could communicate with our sales field pretty easily and on the fly. So this is one of those tools where, you know, it really has helped entrepreneurs. You know, there's a lot of criticism of social media in a lot of ways. But the truth of the matter is, is these free systems allow entrepreneurs to communicate with their sales field very, very quickly. And so we would go on Facebook Live all the time and just loop them into what we were doing, how we were solving the problem, have faith, stay with us. You know, there was a part, I think it was in 2016, where there was a movement for the beauty guides to sell everything off the shelf. That's how close we were to being at zero inventory, which is a huge problem for a growing business. And when people join to
2: grow their business, coming into a disaster, basically,
1: coming into a disaster, (laughs) coming into a company without product. I mean, that's, that's not a good thing, but what they came into, instead of coming into a disaster and a company with no product, is a group effort
2: to build something that was going to be worth waiting for. Mm-hmm. You either saw a disaster and wanted to leave, or you saw a company that has product that people really, really want, and you're going to stick with us and stick it out. But it was not easy to basically go from zero to 100 with such a small team. I mean- we were all doing everything at that point as it was. So now it's just, you have to do everything for longer right. and get yourself out of this hole. And the orders were just coming in and they're coming in faster than you can get them out. And our team was
1: amazing. It, our yeah. team was so invested in this idea of building this company. So it wasn't just, just the beauty guides. It was our home office team was unbelievable. It worked seven days a week.
2: Till you midnight. Know, Till midnight. Back in for at six
1: o'clock in the morning. And they did this all just because they believe they could be part of something really big.
2: Yeah, it, they it, did not. They were making. <laughs> they were making no money to do this, and they just truly believed in the vision. Yeah,
0: that's a critical point for you and for any entrepreneur is to be able to translate that vision and have other people then understand it, buy into it, and support it. You talked about a sense of community, so it's beyond just. You were looking to, uh, when you were looking outside, as an example, at the uh, professional makeup market, and you wanted to create a community there, but you did that within the organization also. create almost like an atmosphere where people felt your passion, right? And then really wanted to come to work and make this this great.
1: Exactly. And I think that was born out of my brother and my sister, what they built at Alcone. They built a sense of family, a sense of everybody wins here you know, you come, our arms are open and we're going to do everything we can for the collective win. And that thread stayed right through the business into line life. And and it still exists to this day in the home office, in every global office around the world, as well as in the sales field.
0: You mentioned offices around, how many offices do you have worldwide?
1: Now? Well, we're launching our 10th market today, <laughs> Australia. Ah. So we have um, nine offices worldwide and the UK, actually eight offices worldwide. The UK, Ireland, and
2: Australia are all one office. But yeah, 10 So markets. they're working two time zones. It, <laughs> that's
0: exciting stuff. Now, as you were growing this meter of growth, didn't you get noticed by another large company that, that's in the market?
1: We did, L'Occitane. Ah. It was a crazy story. It's one of those things like people don't believe you, but I was sitting at my desk one day and I, my LinkedIn account went to my old Alcon at Home account. And I got it, an email through the LinkedIn saying, hey, Reinhold Geiger, uh, the CEO of L'Occitane, really wants to meet you guys. And I'm going to come into New York and I'd love to ha- have a meeting with you. I thought it was a joke. <laughs> I thought it was spam. <laughs> at first I had to look, at, uh, look up Reinhold Geiger because I didn't know who he was. And as I looked, the first thing I saw was that he was a, a really avid skier, which immediately had me trusting him. <laughs> I see too. But you see how he was a self made billionaire and how he took L'Occitane from a small business to a huge, you know, the, the multi billion dollar brand that it is today.
0: So, as you said, you weren't looking to sell the business. It was a solicitation that just happened one day. And what, what was it that he saw in your business that, that interested him?
2: Authenticity. Yeah. He was betting out a bunch of companies because he saw the potential of direct sales. But we always joked, you know, if anyone, if like a huge beauty brand reached out to us and said, we want to buy your company, what would we say? And when we were growing, people would ask us that, like our family members as a joke. And we'd be like, we would say no, we wouldn't even entertain it. Like we're not going to give away something that we've worked so hard for just like that. For You're going to play hard
0: to get.
1: Yeah, and no we, way. And we didn't want anyone to break it.
2: We yeah.
0: knew
1: it was very family based. We knew it was unique in its culture and we didn't want it to become a cog in the wheel Yeah, um, or just get, you know part of like a big conglomerate of brands and so when i saw that L'Occitane didn't have a lot of brands which is unusual in the beauty industry that was a big signal of okay this could be something very real here and i love that he built it himself and he was still someone who understood the growing pains that we were going through so he came to visit and he went to our warehouse where we had back order paperwork like all the way to the ceiling and boxes everywhere. And we were totally disorganized. And he just started laughing as he walked in. He said, I'm probably the only CEO (laughs) who would ever consider buying you all looking at this mess, because I know what it takes to start from zero and build up. But he also believed in us that we had what it took in the process and the staff to get us out of all of our challenges operationally.
0: It's interesting, you you use the word authenticity. What does that mean to you and, and how does that translate into the, the values that your company espouses?
1: Yeah, I think for us, it was just being very real. We would go on Facebook Live and we would go on YouTube and we were very honest and real about what was going on and sharing our vision, but apologizing for the challenges and the mistakes that we made, explaining our vision of how we were going to build a better brand And just really showing everybody that we were, at the end of the day, women who were trying to build something great and bringing them along the process with us.
0: That had to resonate with your beauty guides, because for the most part, they're women. They're looking to start their own business. So as long as you're honest and open and you own the situation of the problem, people will understand. They won't leave.
2: We've always been told that people appreciate our transparency with our sales field. And I think- We've put ourselves on chopping blocks before when we know they're going to be upset about something, but they trust us Mm -hmm. enough that we know that we can tell them the truth and be honest with them with what's going on. And they know that we always have their back no matter what. And I think that's something that is easy for us because we are always so honest with them and we authentically believe in every decision that we make is for the greater good of the
0: company. And you deal with integrity.
2: Yes, always.
0: Always with trust.
2: Yeah. and Honor is a big
1: part of our brand. It starts with the honor of being an Alcode and really only bringing in the best of the best products. And then that moves into how do you deal with challenges? How do you deal with situations? We absolutely never spin anything. We would never lie to the sales field or customers. It's not in our nature to do we own our mistakes. We are very vulnerable. So we're not leaders who are way up high, you know, sort of presenting our position. We're leaders who listen. We're leaders who apologize. It's, it's kind of like a shocking, you know, in, in today's day, I think that can be right. quite shocking for people. Um, we've made a lot of mistakes along the way, but I, we also know that mistakes are part of the process. There's nobody who's going to, you know, do what we did and have the road be completely smooth. It's going to be a challenge. And we have so many opportunities to learn and be better. And if it wasn't for the hard times, we would never unfold our magic like we have been able to do.
0: And that must have come through for the people. I mean, you you talked about uh, the CEO who started his own business and made it now a multi-billion dollar international company. So at the point that they approached you, you were still just dealing as a U.S. company with direct sales. And they saw you as an opportunity to take it international. Yeah, exactly. At that point, also, I think you changed the name of the company again, right? right?
1: Yeah, we couldn't get Lime Light in ah. other countries, so we had to rethink it. And actually, it was the sales field who thought of Lime Life because when we started talking about our challenges and stuff, they would say that they were Lime Lifers. And so it was really from the beauty guides that Lime Life came about. And actually, we love the name change now. It was very difficult logistically, uh, financially for the beauty guides, it was a challenge. But now I actually really love the name Limelife because it's not just about being in the limelight anymore. It's about creating this new inspired future for yourself and yeah. your family.
0: Yeah. A couple of questions. So obviously it's, it's been a challenge for you, for both of you, right? Running a company like this, tremendous meteoric growth. Where do you see the company going from here?
1: Well, the sky is the limit for us. I mean, we really feel that way. But the same processes and the same ideas that got us here are not going to be the ones that get us to the next level. So we're going through a very interesting exercise, Madison and I, of what is it going to take to take Lime Life from a hundred million dollar brand to a billion dollar brand? Because we know we can do that, but it can't be the same ideas. It can't be the same processes. And so that has allowed us to come up with some really creative ideas that we're, you know, implementing over the next year. Mm -hmm. And these are ideas that are not only going to help the individual growth of our beauty guides, but are also going to help the brand become, you know, really a trailblazer on what the direct sales model should look like, Mm -hmm. as well as a trailblazer in what the beauty industry should be doing for women. So the foundation of our core values will always be there. You know, the DNA of our brand, which is really honor, wellness, and family, that will always be there no matter how big we get a billion, ten billion, a hundred billion it'll always be there. but it's the systems and the practices that we want to take to another
0: level. So what keeps you up night so let's start with Michelle
1: Nothing now. I'm really at peace with where we're going. I used to be a serial insomniac. I was would read books all night, I couldn't sleep. I was really off balance with work and you know I'm a mom I have three kids. It was a mess and I just couldn't sleep was just worried about everything, but I had to really just let go and understand that it is going to be what it is. And success is not a definition that someone's going to you know, put on me. It's going to be me saying I'm doing the best I can. Everything I do is out of love. I have great integrity in every action I take and everything I communicate. And as long as I am there, I'm at peace with the result. And it took me a long time to get there, but that's, that's where I'm at.
2: I think if you're waking up and you're doing the best that you can every day and you know that everything that you're pouring into your job, that the output is good in the world, I think it makes it very easy to sleep at night. I still do get stressed about things that wake me up at night. I keep a notepad next to my bed so that I can remember them in the morning or I send myself emails at one in the morning to remember to do things. But I think just I want to create a sustainable place for people to be successful through Lime Life, and i want to make sure it's positive and happy and fun and honestly longevity is i think our end goal we don't we're not working to become a billion dollar brand that's not the end goal the end goal is for us to create something that could stick around forever with the same heart and family values honestly forever
0: That's wonderful great stuff hey thank you both so much for being here today and sharing your story with us
2: thank you for thank having you us. this was fun yeah
0: During our interview, Michelle and Madison spoke about the importance of honesty and transparency when confronting issues and problems. Could you imagine yourself going on Facebook Live and talking about your business issues and discussing the hole you're digging out of in front of your stakeholders? It goes to the heart of trust and how transparency is essential to creating and building it. Then Michelle used the word authenticity as a critical element of what the CEO of Loxiton recognized in her Madison. When we say someone is authentic... It's how we see people whose actions align with their core values and belief. Moreover, as Michelle stated, at the heart of successful entrepreneurs is grit. It is the sum of passion and perseverance that leads to achievement. As the author Angela Duckworth said, without it, talent may be nothing more than an unmet potential. We thank Michelle and Madison for sharing those insights and for participating in this podcast series. Thank you so much. You are listening to In Reality, Lessons from Leaders and Entrepreneurs podcast hosted by me, John Rebecchi. This podcast is executive produced by John Rebecki and New York Institute of Technology in conjunction with the School of Management and the Office of Strategic Communications and External Affairs. Our executive producer and social media strategist is Paulina Lamanier. Our audio editor is Johnny Rebecchi. The director of professional enrichment and producer of this podcast is Deborah Cohen. Our graphic team is Paula Geraldo and Julia Donoghue. Special thanks to Karen Marie Belknap, Jacqueline Compton, and Petra Shandaraga. Until next time.